This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. We're going to be jumping in this morning to uh, the book of Ephesians, chapters 3 and 4. It's going to be a powerful morning. It's going to be a full morning. And so uh, we're going to get right into it. If you're still in, in the presence of God through communion, uh, you can uh, continue to, to stay in that space. Uh, I will do my best to make my voice as unnasally and distracting as possible, but no guarantees. My name is Kevin, and, uh, and I'm so excited to be here with you today uh, because it's going to be a powerful day. We've been studying through the book of Ephesians for the last three weeks now, uh, two Sundays and then weeks leading up to that. And this is our third Sunday together as we study through in a series called Blessed. So I want you to imagine as we get into Ephesians chapters 3 and 4 this morning that last week when you came and you heard Ron teach out of Ephesians 2 was the first time you had ever come, that you had never heard anything about Jesus before. For maybe, for some of you, that's true. Maybe last Sunday was the first time you came, the first time that you experienced uh, God in the context of uh, the Christian community of faith. And uh, so I want us to think about a few things as we jump in this morning. Last week, Uh, We were reminded by Paul uh, that we were saved by God, saved from spiritual death, saved from destruction, saved from pain and and from hurt and from broken relationships, and and, and really saved from ourselves because the things that we do on our own and by ourselves and with the kind of the, the powers outside of us pushing in on us lead us away from God separate us from God and lead us to places of brokenness, of pain, of destruction. Uh, we don't have to live for very long to, to know some of the pain of our choices. But the scripture teaches us that although we were spiritually dead, at, at that very moment when we were here, when we were walking away from God, when we wanted nothing to do with God, Christ came and he saved us. And so Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 that it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not something you've done for yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. In, in other words, we did not act and, and do things in such a way that it obligated God to save us. We did not get to God on our own. We were, in fact, according to Paul, walking this direction, and, and God was over here, and God stepped in in the middle of our walking away, and he saved us, and he pulled us back, and he turned us to himself. So imagine that the first thing you heard last week is that you were, you were dead and God saved you. And we learned all the things we were saved from. Pain, death, destruction, brokenness, hurt relationships. This week, uh, as we jump into Ephesians 3 and 4, we learn a little bit about what we were saved for. So we're saved from these things, from hurt, from, from separation from God. Even though we were alive in our physical bodies, Paul said we were actually dying. We were decaying and we were, were going further away from God. But he rescued us. He, he saved us. He brought us back to God. We were saved from these things. And now in Ephesians 3 and 4, he says we were saved for certain things. I want you to know if you're here this morning and you've never come into an intimate and a passionate relationship with God, 
his great desire for you this morning is that you would know that he loves you and that even though you are walking this way, maybe you've never wanted anything to do with God or maybe you had a relationship with God at some point, but, but then somewhere in there you just kind of turned and you started going your own direction. He wants to restore relationship with you. He wants to bring you back into a relationship with himself. He wants to bring life. Jesus said that he came to bring life and life to the fullest, not some sort of pale uh, frail, uh, just kind of make it through life, but a full life, a passionate life, a life of purpose, a life of passion, a life where you have vision from God. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. God's great desire is that every single person here would know the love of Christ and would be transformed by God, would be saved from these things and saved for God's purposes, God's plan. Let's pray as we jump in. God, would you move powerfully in this community? Would you transform us? Would you uh, create within us the person that you initially made us to be, that we would be fully alive, that we would be fully human as we fully experience you? We uh, believe that we were made in your image, and and God, uh, that you are restoring uh, the divine within us, the creation that you made initially within us as we come and experience you, that you are making us the people that you always planned for us to be. God, as we talk about your Spirit's work within us today, even as we talk about these ideas, would your Spirit be moving, changing, challenging, transforming, encouraging us that we could walk out of here changed people? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul ends Ephesians 2 with the claim that the Spirit of God lives within each of us who has come into a relationship with God. And Ephesians 3 and 4 mark out three markers of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, working inside of us. Three ways that we can experience blessing as the Spirit of God is actually moving inside of us. And we're going to talk a lot about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. I may refer to it as as just the Spirit. And so I want to kind of lay that out for you this morning. Uh, In the Bible, God reveals himself to us in three ways. God is the Father, the creator of all things. So we know that God is the Father. But then, as Ron just shared with us in communion, God chose to reveal God's self as Jesus Christ. God made flesh, fully God and fully man, that came to the world to redeem the world, to restore the world. We're told that through Jesus' death and through his resurrection, he brought us back into relationship with God. So we have God the Father, and then we have Jesus who, who is known throughout the Bible as God with us. Fully God who came to live on earth and uh, in a word called incarnation, that he, 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 he became flesh. He, he dwelled among man and he restored us to God. So we have the Father, we have Jesus Christ, and then we have the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit gets uh, confused a lot, misinterpreted a lot. It's not just this thing. It's not just this idea. It is the third person of God. It is God in spirit and uh, God's spirit living inside of us, transforming us. So when I talk about the spirit, it's not just this idea. It is God himself living and working inside of every person who believes. Jesus said it this way in John 14. He told his disciples, he said, I am going to leave, but, but don't worry because I'm going to leave you the spirit and the Spirit will be with you, and the Spirit will live in you. So Jesus goes so far as to say, it's good for me to leave. It's better that I leave you because I'm with you, but the Spirit will be with you and in you. The Spirit of God will be transforming you from the inside. And so today we're going to talk about uh, the fact that we have been saved from all of these things. We've been restored to God, and now 
we have markers of the Spirit of God living in us, working in our lives. And so we want to see what that looks like. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4, Paul starts out like this. He says, In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So he says there's something that was not revealed to other generations, but it's been revealed by God's Holy Spirit to apostles and to prophets. And here's what he says in verse 6. Here's the mystery. The mystery is that through the gospel, through the good news that Jesus came, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Jesus Christ. That word Gentiles is a Greek word ethnos, which is where we get the word ethnicity. Uh, it is the nation. So, so the Jews, the nation of Israel, believed that they were one people, and then everyone else they just kind of called the Gentiles. It's kind of like there's us, there's new life, and then if we just said, well, there's everybody else. There's new life, and then there's the Gentiles, the nations, the ethnos, kind of everyone else. And Paul says that the Spirit has revealed something amazing to each of us. Uh, and, and here's uh, to understand kind of what he says, what's been revealed, we have to know that that Paul is writing, and throughout his letter in Ephesians, he's referencing the Old Testament. So Paul will write all these things, and then he'll put little hints, little allusions to the, the Old Testament, to some reference, to some uh, story or scripture or something that's happening here. And we need to know that in the ancient worlds uh, of the Old Testament, people groups were largely separated by region or by nation, by ethnicity. It was a largely separate culture. We, we don't get that as much in the United States because we have many cultures coming together and living together and working together. But in the ancient world, there were very distinct cultures and you uh, were separated and each culture had their own regional god. And so this culture would have this god or these gods or idols or lords or whatever you, you want to call them. The Bible calls them lowercase g gods to reference that they're not true gods. There's one god and the, the Bible gives it a capital G. And then there are these lowercase g gods. And so uh, each region had their own lowercase g gods and idols and, and, and statues and lords. And they would worship these various deities. And they asked these gods to protect their region, to protect their people, to prosper their group, uh, as opposed to the other groups, to protect them from the people around them, from the other Gentiles, from the other nations. So if it was today, we would have the gods of Petaluma, Right? And then there'd be like the, the gods of Roner Park and the lords of Nevada and the lords of Dogtown. And we've got all these gods and lords and idols going around. And, uh, and we'd say, God, would you protect Petaluma, right? The Petalumans, the Petalumians. And would you save us? Uh, would you rescue us? Would you prosper us? And would you protect us from those, those horrible Roner Parkins? Roner Parkians. I don't. Roner Parkins. Would you, would you protect us? Because you are our God, you're the Petaluma God. But then the God of the Bible steps into this story, and the God of the Bible is a global God. He's different than these lowercase g gods that are regional. This God is a global God. The Bible says that these other gods were made of wood and made of stone, and you could touch them, sure, but it was like this podium. It didn't do anything. It just kind of sat there. But this God moves and breathes and speaks to his people and does miracles. This God is marked by love. This God is marked by a global vision to redeem everyone in the world. These other gods were just regional. They just cared about their people. But this God is a global God. This God's vision is no less than the rescue of every single man, woman, child on the face of the earth throughout all of history. 
And so we have to understand what's going on here because God chose to reveal God's self to a group of people called the Jews, the nations of Israel. And he said, I'm going to be your God and you'll be my people. But remember, I am a global God. I'm not just your God for your sake. I am your God so that through you, everyone would be blessed. Genesis 22:18. God says, through the offspring of Israel, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. And he's referring to Jesus. He says, through uh, the offspring, through this line of people, Jesus will come and he will restore all the world. It's a prophecy about, uh, about Jesus, the Christ, God made flesh. There's only one problem. The Jews were forgetful people. The Jews liked having the God that was real and true and breathing and doing miracles, but they liked him to be their God. They liked uh, knowing that God was just kind of there for them, but they forgot that God was global. But Paul says that one thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit reveals that God is not a regional God. He says it was hidden from the people long ago. They forgot this, but God reveals through the Holy Spirit that he is a global God. When the Spirit of God lives inside of us, it reveals that God is a global God that is drawing all people to himself. So we have to ask ourselves, when you think of God, do you think of my God, who can fit in my pocket, who's concerned with my kids and my wife and my mortgage and and my sin and my struggles? And all of those things are true, right? To be sure, God is your God. God has a personal relationship with you. But when you think about God, do you also think, but my God's love is not limited to me, to my family, to my church, to my friends. My God's love is so vast that I can't even imagine it. Let's put it this way. I have a two-year-old, uh, and her name is Maddie. And if she was out in the parking lot right now, and one of you were out in the parking lot too, and uh, one of the kids from our high school group had just gotten their license and they were driving and they weren't paying attention. Uh, not that they wouldn't pay attention because all of our high schoolers are very mature and responsible. Uh, but let's just assume they weren't paying attention. And they were coming down the street and you did not see them and Maddie did not see them and they were going to hit you guys. I can tell you, I would pray for you, but I would save Maddie, right? Uh, I, would, I would do your, your memorial service. I would visit you in the hospital, but I would save my daughter. I, I'm sorry. I love you guys. But but you know that, that we have this love that kind of has these circles, right? We love our kids. We love our spouse. And then we love our extended family. Most of us love our extended family. And then we love our, our friends, right? But the love increases. We have, we have decreasing love as it goes out on our own. And so we put that on God. We say, well, if God loves me so much, if God is, is so intimately connected with me and so passionate about me, then his love can't be that strong for everyone else. But the God of the Bible is that strong. His love is beyond compare, beyond expression. So he can love you, and he can love someone who is your enemy as much as he loves you. He can love you in this country and love a country that you are warring with as much as he loves you. Our God is a global God. He's not a regional God. And the Spirit reminds us of that. When the Spirit is moving in our lives, it stirs us to action to help people come and experience this global God's love. I was driving on Thursday afternoon. I actually am a Rohnert Parkin, and so I live in Rohnert Park, and I was driving up Petaluma Hill Road, uh, and I was driving by Sonoma State on Thursday, and uh, the Spirit of God began to stir in me that I needed to go and I needed to pray for Sonoma State because yesterday they had move-in day. So thousands of students came from all over California and all over the United States 
back to Sonoma State. And so the next day I went with Maddie and our little Chihuahua Chloe, and they walked around uh, the campus, and I followed them, and I just, I prayed. I prayed for every dorm. I prayed for every student who would come back. I prayed that God would move powerfully. I prayed that God would use the ministries on those campuses, on the campus, to just draw people in. I prayed that God would use us at New Life to welcome people in. My heart began to be sad as I walked through different dorm areas because I know the legacy of those dorms. This is the party dorm. This is the this dorm. This is the that dorm. And so I began to pray that God would break through that stuff and God would reveal God's self to these students when they come. See, when the Spirit's working in us, it stirs us so that we would pray for other people to come and experience God. And when the Spirit of God is working within us, it stirs us to actually go out and invite other people to come and experience God. That's a marker of the Holy Spirit in your life, is that you remember that God's a global God, and you actually take part in that. Sometimes I sit and I worship, and, uh, and we, we have a pretty full group today. I mean, there's a lot of us here, but I look around at empty chairs, and my chest just starts to hurt sometimes. Because I, I really believe, and, and I think you do too, that God has set up our community in a unique way to reach this, uh, to reach Petaluma. I really do. Uh, the way we do ministry, uh, the way we, we do worship, the way we do small groups, I think everything we do is set up to reach Petaluma. And I look around at these empty seats and I think we could reach hundreds, if not thousands of people. If God stirred, each, in, in every one of us, if God stirred us to, to love, to pray for one, two, three, five people, and then to go out and say, would you like to come experience Christ with me at New Life? It's not about numbers. It's about the fact that our God is a global God, and our God is reaching out, and he's grabbing people, and he's connecting with people. God's great desire is to change people's lives. On your uh, notes, I left space uh, for two people or two families that you might want to pray for, that you might want to, to, to reach out to, that you might want to love in such a way that you would actually say, hey, will you come to church with me and check out this God? And so I want to give you a few minutes just to be praying and asking God who he might want to use you to impact. And, and as you think about that, and as you write those names down, I want you to watch this drama. Happy Monday, everybody. I got bagels here. Hey, hey. thanks, Tom. Yeah, no problem. Any special occasion we should know about? No, just doing something Ooh. nice for my friends. <laughs> hey, Tom. Your lawyer called, left a oh. message. Everything okay with that insider trading thing? You know, praise the Lord, this thing is almost over. You know, when the investigators came, I, I told them the truth. I, I did have a friend of that company, but he hadn't told me anything. Remember I told you guys he was just really happy and content lately, and I just had a hunch that things were going well. So, you know, I did my due diligence and bought in. Thank the Lord, I saved all my research files. Well, that must be a relief. But, you know, Tom, there's something different about you lately. And it seems to be a lot more than just this investigation going away. Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you mean? Well, for starters, how about Happy Monday and I got bagels? Come on, you guys are my friends. I'm just showing a little bit of love to the people that support me. <laughs> no, no, it's more than that. Uh, how's that? You know, Tom, Jim and I have been joking behind your back a little what? bit. What? <laughs> yeah. You know, all this... Thank the big guy and Lord willing comments. You know, it was so obvious that they were just hollow words and God didn't figure into your life at all. Yeah. But I don't know. Lately, like just now when you said praise the Lord, gee, it sounded like you really meant it. Huh, I guess it's uh, I guess it's a little obvious, isn't it? Well, you, you could say I've 
found the Lord. <laughs> well, that's a real hoot. Mr. Center of the Universe possibly admitting there's a higher power than him. Watch out! Mr. High Roller's become a Mr. Holy Roller. <laughs> very funny, very funny. Seriously, though, guys, I, I realized I'd made a train wreck of my life. It, it wasn't so much that there was a higher power out there. It was more like, well, surrendering. Wait a minute. You're really serious about this, aren't you? I mean, what gives? What happened? Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, remember about three months ago, I ran into that old college buddy of mine down oh, at the diner? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The clunker guy who married his high school sweetheart and is now working for his father-in-law. Le-hu-zer. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the guy. Um, honestly, when he invited me to meet up with him again that following Friday at the diner, I had no intention of showing up. But something drew me to him. It wasn't as much what he said, but just he had a caring and compassion in his voice. I mean, after 20 years, he still actually was interested in me and my well-being. And, you know, he spoke with such a passion that I actually believed that he could help me, that he wanted to help me. Anyway, it just helped me do a reality check in my life. So then that following Friday, I just found myself going down the diner to meet with him. The funny thing is, I... I half expected him to show up like those stereotypical Christians, you know, that preach at you or pound you over the head with their Bible. Oh, yeah? It was actually nothing like that. He just showed up, was earnestly interested in me, and just wanted to know what I thought about how my life was going. (laughs) That must have been a really long breakfast. Yeah. Oh, miss, I'll have the omelet, two strips of bacon, and the bottomless cup of salvation, please. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. Stop it. Come on, Tom. Get real. Buddy... I got to tell you, man, this is as real as it gets. I've been meeting with Chris every week, and I'm actually starting to see some changes in my life. You know, the Bible is actually a pretty amazing book. The cool thing is I've been able to see how he takes lessons from it and actually applies them to his life. He's got a joy and compassion I don't think can come from anywhere other than an honest relationship with God. Well, you know what? We can certainly see some changes in your life, and whatever it is, I suggest you keep it up. Thank Good you. to see you smiling again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let's sing Kumbaya, my lord, and be done with this topic. Oh, cripes, look at the time. 20 minutes till opening bell. Yeah. Let's get cracking, folks. Okay, let's go. Hey, uh, Megan, you, you got a minute? We, you sure. got a little bit of time. You know what? He certainly put up his defenses. Maybe your friend Chris can beat him with the Bible a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. There's still time for him. Oh, wait, no. Honestly, I've had more religion than I can handle for one day. Okay, okay. okay. Time out. Let, let's take a break from that. But really, I, I was thinking about you and Mike this morning. I wanted to been, catch up with you for, for days. How has he been after the heart attack? You really do care, don't you, Tom? Yeah, I, actually, I do. Well, you know what? I can do with a good listener. Life has been a roller coaster lately, and it's going to take way more than 15 minutes. Okay, um... Tell you what, I get an idea. How about we meet at the diner this Friday, 7 a.m.? Let me check my calendar. No pressure, just, you know. Hmm. Okay, we're on, my friend. Okay, sounds good. You know, Jim's right. Uh, opening bell's going to hit any minute. i got to get down to the floor. I'll see you. Okay, ya. all right. You know, God... I'm finally starting to figure out and understand what it means to be blessed and then to be a blessing to others. I'm really glad I followed through this time.
just dream with me for a minute. We each start praying for two friends or two family members or two families that we know, asking God how we can love those people, how we can care for those people, how we can serve them, love them like God loves them unconditionally. And then we ask God through his Holy Spirit for ways to invite them to come and experience God with us. What would happen if even half those people came? Three or four hundred people coming to experience God because we said, you know, we'll be faithful to the Spirit moving the first thing that God does is he grabs hold of us and he reminds us that God is a global God. Let's go on in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul continues to unpack it. 4.1 says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The Spirit of God brings unity in the church. Paul says that our job is to keep the unity of the Spirit. He goes on to tell us in verse 25 what that looks like. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Verse 28, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I'll be totally honest with you, that is probably the single hardest verse in the Bible for me to do. I'm just going to be totally honest with you. Uh, I can tell you stories about how I used to get jumped when I was younger because anything other than unwholesome talk or than wholesome talk came out of my mouth. I was an unwholesome talking kind of guy. Uh, but God redeemed me, thankfully, because he did not make me strong enough to defend myself. So, there's wisdom in the Bible. So let no unwholesome talk flow from your mouth. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So living by the power of God's Spirit means building up, caring for, showing compassion to, forgiving others just as God in Christ forgave us. Jesus puts it this way in John 13. He says, A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Living in God's Spirit, God's Spirit working inside of us, transforms us so that we can forgive others within this community. So Paul goes from outside, talking about all the people of the earth. He goes immediately to the church. He says, if you're living by God's Spirit, you can forgive others other people. Living by God's Spirit means that we can put the needs of the other person next to us over our own. Living by God's Spirit means that we don't get easily annoyed. Living by God's Spirit means that we don't hold grudges, we don't take offense, uh, that we make choices based on what would be best for God's community over ourselves. I had that type of experience uh, about two weeks ago. 
So I'm not super technologically advanced, but I like toys. I, I, I'm a toy kind of guy, and uh, to be honest with you, I've wanted an iPad ever since one of the guys in our church got one, and it's pretty cool, but I'm not letting envy uh, hold on to me because I'm trying to live by the Spirit. Uh, but you, you know what? They're too expensive, so I'm not getting one. What I really want, though, is a Kindle. You know what a Kindle is? Uh, yeah, perfect, yeah. We, yes, you can read books on the Kindle. Not only can you read books, though, this is what I really want it for. Uh, you can download files. So I could put my sermons onto the Kindle, and I could have my notes here, and instead of having all this paper, I could just kind of flip through to the next note. I think that would be really cool. Uh, I think it would be helpful. I have a friend who's a pastor in Southern California, and he has when he was doing it. I was like, that is cool. Uh, and uh, so I wanted a Kindle for a long time. Well, next weekend, I won't be here uh, because I'm performing a wedding. Some people that I've known since they were freshmen in college are getting married, and they asked me to come and, and perform their wedding for them, which is uh, very fun. It's my first time, and so I'm a little nervous, but they're probably more nervous than me because they're getting married. So, uh, or else my pre-marriage counseling did not set them up well. No, they, they should be very excited. They're a great couple, and I'm happy to marry them. Uh, but what's neat is they're paying me for this. So I get this money that is, that is un, kind of solicited, unset-aside money. So I had this great plan. I'm going to buy the Kindle with this money. Uh, and then I'll put some aside in savings. And so I, I was working this all out in my head. I even went over to my friend's house before I, I laid the plan out to my wife. And I, I told my friends, I said, this is what I'm going to say to Maria. What do you think? You think she'll buy it? So they coached me on uh, how to present it to Maria so that I could get the Kindle and, and put some money away. They even threw in a little incentive package for her. She could spend some extra money on clothes, and then we put the rest in savings. So, so I'm giving Maddie a bath that night, and, uh, and so I go for it. I present the idea to Maria. And I said, you know, I've wanted a Kindle for a long time, and, and here's all the things it could do. I could read my books on it so we wouldn't have all these books and paper waste, and uh, we would just have uh, the Kindle, and I could do my sermons on it so it would be really good, you know. And, uh, and so this is what I want to do. I want to take this much money and buy it, and then I want to— you can have a little bit for some clothes, and we'll put the rest in savings. And so there it is. And she looks at me, and, and as gently as she can, she says, yeah, you could do that. You could do that. But— you know, I'm getting more involved in worship at the church. I said, yeah, I know you are. I'm really excited about that because I've been asking her to, to use that gift uh, to bless our community. And she says, uh, we don't have a, a keyboard at the church. We've been using one that's borrowed from a school and, uh, and they need to take it back because school is, is starting up. And so uh, what if we took that money and we, we bought a used keyboard? And in my deep spirituality, I think I mumbled something like, this is extra money that I earned and I want to buy a Kindle. Seriously. Uh, at which point she said, let's just put Maddie to bed and we can have this conversation later. And so we went off and we're doing our own things and I'm, I'm talking to God. I'm like, God, I, this is so unfair because I, 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 I did all this extra work with the pre-marriage counseling and, and this is my money. I want to buy a Kindle. It'll be cool and I could even use it, you know, for some, some church things. And uh, the spirit, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but it's like God hit me over the head. He said, you want something for you. She wants something that can bless God's people you got to buy the keyboard. You just have to. And it was like a light went on. And so I went down to her and I said, yeah, you're right. We need to buy the keyboard. And I'll get the Kindle at Christmas or whenever. Yeah, we'll just get one later. And uh, I'll be totally honest with you. When, when the Spirit of God begins to move in our lives, one of the markers is that we put God's community, God's people, over ourselves. Their needs over our needs. Uh, and sometimes it's not easy. But letting God's Spirit move means that God will direct our choices. It's like, I wanted to do this one thing, and, and God just said, no, we're not going to do that. That's for you. I want this for, for God's people. And again, 
uh, that's just one thing. But when you get annoyed, uh, does God give you patience? When you are wronged, does God cause you to forgive? When you talk about people in the church, can you talk as loud as you want because all you're saying are things that would bless that person? Uh, You're building that person up. You're caring for them. These are markers of the Spirit of God moving in our lives. So it starts outside. The first marker is God's Spirit turns us outward to remind us that God is a global God and and God invites people to experience Him through us. The second marker uh, is that uh, God brings unity in how we interact in the church. So that, by the way, we interact in the church, the world might know that God is real. And the third marker of God's Spirit moving in our lives is that God gives us gifts that he wants us to use. Chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Verse 11, It was he, it was God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Throughout the Bible, it's clear that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to his people. As we come into a relationship with God, God actually gives us gifts that he wants us to use to bless others. These are four gifts, apostles, prophets, teachers, preachers, but the Bible's full of gifts. Things like mercy, discernment, giving, evangelism, service. In the Old Testament, some of the gifts are, some people were gifted in metalworking and in woodworking and craftsmanship. I am not gifted in craftsmanship, I know that. Uh, but, but nevertheless, maybe Ron, our senior pastor, is gifted in craftsmanship. And, and, and Paul says God's given us all gifts so that we could use them to build up the community of faith. Build up the body of Christ. So the question we need to ask God, and and by the way, we need to ask God this question. Uh, You can ask me the question, and I'll give you my thoughts, but we need to really ask God the question. God, what gifts have you given me, and how can I use them? What gifts have you given me, and and how can I use them? There are books and websites uh, that could tell you what your spiritual gifts are. You put in some information that tries to spit something out for you, and those are, are good. They're not bad by any means. But ultimately, we ask God to reveal what our gifts are. The way we'll know, by the way, is when we ask God and he begins to stir, he begins to say, this could be a gift of yours, then we, we act, we use it, we serve. And we'll know if it's a gift from God because it will bless people. People will be drawn to God through it. When I was younger, I wanted to be in a boy band. I make no qualms about it. NSYNC was big, and I thought I could be the sixth member. Uh, and uh, then I became a Christian, so I thought maybe God has gifted me in worship leading. That's how I can use my boy band gifts. I can be a worship leader. Uh, so I learned how to play guitar at 18, and uh, I became the worship leader for our college ministry. And uh, I was bad, like really bad at it. Uh, I remember a college, a, a girl coming up one week, we had a guest worship leader, and this girl came up, and she said to the guest worship leader right in front of me, she said, man, that is the first time I've experienced God in worship this whole year. <laughs> Truth be told, we should be able to worship God regardless of who's leading, but I was not doing God's people any favors by leading worship. I can tell you that. People sitting in the back earlier today know that. They heard me singing. I'm not a good singer. So, so I decided worship leading is not my gift. I wouldn't have known that had I not tried, though, right? On the other side, 
uh, just out of college, uh, I had never thought about preaching, and I got invited to, to preach at a conference. And I was terrified, but I said yes. And so I, I prepped a sermon, and I got up, and I preached, and I talked way too fast, and I paced back and forth. And I know you guys can't believe this, but I was fidgety and kind of awkward. And um, <laughs> By God's grace, though, people's lives were transformed. People gave their lives to Christ that day. Other people made decisions, and 10 years later, they're still living those decisions out. It was that day that I thought, maybe God has gifted me in preaching and in teaching. But I wouldn't have known that if I wouldn't have tried. So God says, use your gifts. Ask God where he's gifted you and then begin to serve. You'll know it's a gift from God because it will bless other people. They will experience God through you using the gifts. God's great desire is that you would know him deeply, passionately, and that his spirit would be moving in your lives, that you would be transformed. And that transformation should do three things. It should draw us into the world to love people and invite them to experience God. It should bring unity in our church. And it should be revealing to us the gifts that God has given us to build up the church. So the question for us to close with, where is God moving in your life? Where's the Spirit stirring you to develop? Pull out your communication cards for a second. It's that thing that says start here. Pull it out for me, please. You'll see on there, it says sermon application, and it says outreach, unity, service. Outreach. Would you commit to praying for two people? Not just today, not just this week, but praying for them regularly and then looking for ways to love them and to invite them to experience God. Unity. Maybe there's some division in the church that you're a part of. Maybe you've been slandering or someone has been saying things against you that aren't true and you need to fix that broken relationship. Maybe God's asking you to change your priorities to put God's people before yourself. Service. Maybe you would commit to exploring the ways that God's Spirit might be giving you gifts. Maybe you would use those gifts. Maybe God's calling you to try to serve in the church to bless God's people to use those gifts. I want you to circle. If any of those are resonating with you, just circle it. Because this is not uh, just an exercise in our will. This is a spiritual exercise. God is doing something in our community, and so the pastoral team and the prayer team want to pray for you this week. So if you mark outreach, we're going to pray for you to have interactions with your friends. If you mark unity, we're going to pray for that, whatever that might be. If you mark service, we're going to ask God to put you into places where you could use your giftings to really transform people's lives. Uh, So mark that down. Turn your cards, and Ron's going to tell you what to do with that in a few minutes. Uh, But would you pray with me right now as we, uh, we go on to our next phase of our worship morning? God, would you, through your spirit, be transforming and changing us? Would you show us uh, the areas where you might want to say, well done, you're doing good, I'm proud of you? Would you show us the areas where you might want to say, I want to grow you here. I want to give you uh, a new stage in life. I want to give you more excitement, more passion, a deeper connection with me as you reach out to people as you bring unity in the church, as you serve? Would you show us what you might be doing in each of our lives individually, and then would you form us together as a community that would impact Petaluma, Roner Park, Novato, Katati? Would you remind us that you are a global God of global love and that you love people deeply? Would your love be transforming us and be transforming this community? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.